Hewler and Motes are on the air. This is the Steelers Blitz on your 24-7 home of the black and gold. SNR, Steelers Nation Radio. Going on, Steelers Nation Radio, live from the UPMC Rooney Sports Complex on the south side of Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, inside the electric factory. It's Euler Remotes with you here for the next two hours on SNR. Motsi, we have a verdict. Uh-oh. The big news yesterday out of the Mike Tomlin press conference, of course, he left no doubt. He eliminated all the potential questions in the cloudy situation around the quarterback position when he said... Coaching staff and I have met, and we've decided that Devlin Duck Hodges will be our starter against the Browns. I loved it. I yeah. thought it was the right move. And you called it, too, on Monday. Yeah, I just felt that it didn't do the team any justice. It wouldn't do Duck any justice in terms of playing the cat and mouse game when everybody knew based off of the performance that we saw Mason produce right. versus the Browns. And in the first half of that Bengals game, you just knew – you couldn't go back to him this week. And it's, and, and I told you, not saying that you had to close the door completely on him. Sure. And and, and, and he left that door and open. And Mike Tomlin was very and, clear and about that. that. He said, this is our plan for this week. Yeah, and I thought that was very important because, first off, you don't know what Doug's going to look like in this next matchup. We haven't seen a large enough sample size of him or Mason. Let's be real about it. Yeah. But right now, you know this Browns team is going to be preparing solely for Duck. Duck hasn't had to have that at all this season. Even that uh, Chargers game, we talked about it. It was the question mark, Still okay, if Mason clears, he's going to play. It wasn't officially going to be Duck starting until Saturday, right? right? Yeah. So, in that regard, this is going to be his first opportunity where a team is going to legit prepare for him. They're going to dissect his strengths, his weaknesses from what they've seen based off of preseason, the Chargers game, and the second half of that Bengals game. And they're going to formulate a plan. And they're going to make him have to do things that he struggles with. They're going to try to make him do things that he's not comfortable with, and they're going to try to confuse him. And I think for him, man, just having that vote of confidence early in the week, he gets to go out there and just prepare as the guy. He doesn't have to have the decision looming over him of, all right, I'm preparing. I think I'm practicing well, but they might go back to Mason. I think I'm doing good, but, but they might like what they're seeing in Mason. Right here, you nick it in the bud early in the week. You let him know, hey, this is our guy for this week. But you also you hear the the way he talked about him. He didn't. He wasn't about to jump in and put all his eggs in the duck basket. He wasn't about to raise the expectations for Duck either. He said literally when he spoke about him, he said he didn't kill us last time. I and, expect him not to kill. And us. I expect not to kill him this time. And, and it was that simple. And it's like, don't turn the ball over. And. When you hear how they talk about Duck versus how they talk about Mason, I do think they've learned from the way they handled the Mason situation in terms of putting the we had first round grade on him and things like that. The, the expectations, expectations the from hype. him, yeah. I felt like became a little overbearing on him, and that's normal, especially with young players. I, I want to ask you a little bit more about that, but you said something there that made me think, talking about how now the Browns are going to be preparing for Duck this whole week. Have you ever been in that situation? What is it like for a defense when you're preparing for a quarterback that you just have such little film, such little, so few amount of reps, so little information available out there on Duck? What's that like for the opposition preparing for a a fresh quarterback? Yeah, man, it it does present its challenges. 
because you don't have the large sample size, the large body of work on him. But the thing that you do have that benefits the Browns in this regard is you have current tape in terms of you saw him the second half of that Bengals game. It's not as if you have to go back and look at his preseason tape or his collegiate tape because this is his first time playing. You have two sample sizes. You have that Chargers game and you have that Bengals game. And you're going to be able to see certain things that both defense were able to do to make Duck uncomfortable, sure. to make Duck have some uh, some struggles, hold the ball a little bit too long, and things like that. So they're going to have that playing for them. But it's still difficult just because you don't know if this is just this guy having a good day, or off day, was it the matchup? So that's the difficulties when you're playing against a quarterback who doesn't have a lot of film or just players in general that don't have a lot of tape on them at this level. On Twitter, at Wesley Euler, at TheBody52. TheBody. Where uh, our buddy Mark chimes in and asks, any possibility that Mason is going to be inactive on Sunday and Paxton be the backup for this game? Uh, I don't think there's any chance that Mason is inactive on Sunday. Uh, and particularly if you listen to Mike Tomlin's press conference from yesterday, he kind of talked – I think actually he said directly there's still a chance Mason could play in this game always. Yeah, definitely. So, so I, I don't think that's I don't think Mason's going to be inactive on Sunday. He'll still be the backup. Yeah, you can't make Mason inactive just because when you factor in your top three quarterbacks on this team, regardless of Duck being the guy for this week, we all can agree that Mason has the most talent in that room, and you can see that they have the most invested in him and they believe in him sure. still. So with that being the case, you still have him prepared to go. He still mentally has to be locked in. And Coach Tomlin did commend him for mentally staying tuned into the game even once he got pulled out, and it's not easy to do. I know from personal experience it's not, but he stayed in tune. So with that being the case, you know that, hey, if Doug goes out there and breaks his leg, God forbid we don't want that to happen, but if he gets hurt in the first quarter. Right. He has to be ready to go. Right. And it's not going to be, oh, man, you know, we know you just pulled you. I know you're feeling sorry for yourself. No, it's going to be you better have been prepared because now is your moment. Go out here and prove it. And it's simple as that. So Mason would definitely have a helmet. He'll definitely be prepared to go. And, yeah, I think that's how it's going to be just this week. I just see Duck and Mason getting helmets. Yeah, I, I think you're right. Uh, we mentioned we started to get into this a little bit. I, I want to get more into this now, though. The – the Mike Tomlin line of, uh, you know, Duck didn't kill us. I expect him not to kill us. What is, for, for a quarterback, right, the balance of not killing us versus still making some plays, right? Because there's a tightrope that, that Duck has to walk there. Yes, it's okay to throw the ball away, right, and punt the ball away and live to fight another down. But at the same time, you've got to manufacture some offense. How, how do you walk that tightrope? What does that look like on Sunday? Yeah, I think the biggest thing when you talk about Duck not killing them are, is this. The turnovers turn are You sure. cannot turn the ball you over. five of those from Mason Rudolph five, in the last two and, games. Absolutely. That's way too many, way especially too many. when you saw him protecting the ball early on. So that's the number one thing you cannot do. The second thing is this. How many times do we see Mason get in compromising situations where he's not able to get out the pocket and now it's intentional grounding or he's throwing the ball late trying to get rid of it, but he's doing it in a reckless manner? Mm -hmm. That can kill you. Those intentional grounders, they add up. Those are just like sacks. That kills you. You can't have that. So I think those are the two main things. And then the third thing is make the throws you're supposed to make. You don't have to force anything. That pass to James Washington wasn't forced. It was right there. It came in the flow of the offense. Don't go out there and try to create big plays. Just do the routine plays at a high level, and the big plays will come off of that. But if you go out here trying to force it, trying to say, hey, man, I'm a gunslinger, I'm a, like we saw him do versus the Chargers where he wanted to take that shot. And he probably shouldn't have thrown it because of the coverage over there. Avoid those type of errors. 
if you go out here and just play your game, those are the things that coach means by don't kill us. Because the defense is good enough to win. You, if you ride the, the defense's coattails, you'll be fine. Mm -hmm. But what you can't do is handicap or handcuff the defense by constantly turning the ball over, constantly having them take the field on a short field, not create, not uh, uh, having success on third downs, things like that mm -hmm. are ultimately what would kill you at yeah. that quarter of position. So that's what Coach Tom was referring to. And I think so, too. Something that they've struggled with lately, particularly the last few games, I really don't want to see the Steelers fall behind early in this game. I do agree with that. We've seen that way too much lately. Uh, we've seen a lot of turnovers on opening drives for the Steelers. I think until last week, right, it had been three straight games with mm -hmm. a turnover on the very first series of the game. Uh, you saw how that played out in Los, er, in Los Angeles, against Los Angeles, uh, with the Rams getting an early touchdown. Uh, the Dolphins were able to capitalize on a turnover. It's, it's been something even, I mean, you go back to the Ravens game that the Steelers lost here in, in overtime. You have a turnover on your first offensive possession of the game in that game as well, too. It's going to be hard for a multitude of reasons, right? And you right. and I know this. All these things work hand in hand. Everything's intertwined. Uh, but you're going to need your defense to make plays in this game. You're, no, you're going to, as you just mentioned there, not put your defense, want to not put your defense in adverse situations. And I think a big part of that is playing from behind, too. Uh, they've done that too often this season. And, yes, uh, they were able to come back against Miami, and they were able to come back against the Colts, and they were able to come back against the Rams. Uh, but that you can only play with fire in that regard for so long. Uh, a 14-0 deficit against the Browns back, what, it was almost two weeks ago, 13 days ago, last last, last Thursday. Yeah, I was here. <laughs> Not last Thursday, last last Thursday. Yeah. Uh, you fall behind 14-0, and at halftime, even though it was only a two-score game, right, that – kind of felt like a, it a, a, it felt a, a, a lot an insurmountable number. Yes. I, they, they can't fall behind early like they've been doing uh, this Sunday against the Browns. Yeah, without a doubt. And something that you alluded to when you talked about them falling, ba uh, falling behind early, they can't put points up on themselves either. Mm -hmm. The safeties, the mm -hmm. fumbles for touchdowns, you cannot do that. Those are the things that will break your back, especially with a Browns team that's coming on that's coming in on a three game winning streak. They are hot right now. Yeah. They've found an identity. They're leaning on Nick Chubb, who's the second leading rusher in the NFL. And they're doing what we all said they should have been doing from the beginning. In terms of leaning on him. In terms of not trying to have Baker go out here and be the guy. Mm -hmm. Lean on this running game and then the receivers will get open after that. We're starting to see them do that. And I think that's why, even more importantly, you cannot play catch up versus this team right now speaking of baker he's had a couple good weeks in a row here right i think they're now on three four straight weeks without a turnover yes for baker mayfield mm -hmm. uh you said it right there i think it's clear to anybody who's watched the browns i don't care if you're in cleveland outside of cleveland if you're a browns fan or you're a browns hater the, the run game on offense is their recipe for success correct do you trust them to lean on that on Sunday or with the positive performances that we've seen from Baker over the last few weeks, do you think that they more more willing to cut him loose, for lack of a better term, right? Do you think that they'll play it close to the chest or do you think that they'll try and come out and put on a show and, you know – for, for lack of a better term, really, you know, go after the Steelers and try and embarrass the Steelers' defense, you know, in that fashion? Or will they be willing to come in here, grind it out, win a low-scoring game? If it was any other team, 
I would say they're willing to come right, in and grind it right. out. But the problem is they live and thrive on emotion. They want the, hey, let's beat our chest. Let's show that we can do what people think we can't so do. So white men can't do. jump, right? Yes. They want to look good while they're doing it. Absolutely. So with that being the case, I do think they're going to be very aggressive, which I think bodes well for the Steelers' defense. I do think we will see that turnover streak of those guys not having a turnover for the past, what, three games I think now? it's three games, yeah. Yeah, I think that changes. I think we definitely see them forced into some errors because of some of the chances that they're taking. And Odell's going to want the ball and Jarvis oh, is going to want the ball. And you just think about all the emotion that's going to be leading up into oh. this game. It's already been talked about for all of last week. It's already been talked about again for this week. So even though the, the main characters in terms of Mason Rudolph, Miles Garrett, Marquise Pouncey won't be out there, it's still going to have that type of vibe. It's still going to have that type of energy in the stadium. Can't wait. Can't wait. It's a great weekend in general. A great slate of football starting tomorrow. I mean, tomorrow isn't necessarily a great slate of football. It is, man. Let's Bears, go Buffalo. The Buffalo Bills and the Cowboys game at 430. That's I'm the only looking, one I'm worried I'm about. I'm looking forward to that. Bills or Bears-Lions? Eh. Saints-Falcons? Eh. Yeah. But Bills-Cowboys, I'll take that. And then you've got some college football on Friday. And Saturday, which is always great, right? Because it's like rivalry weekend. Oh, yeah. You get Ohio State and Michigan. You get Auburn and Alabama. You get all the big rivalries going on. And then Sunday, you get Steelers-Browns. We've got 49ers-Ravens. There's uh, Vikings-Seahawks uh, yeah. this, this week of games. Uh, is it Texans and Patriots, I think, right? Is it? That's, ooh. There's some good games this week, man. You're right. There's some good games. Really good it, games. I think it's Texans-Patriots here. I got it right. Yeah, Houston. It is. That's the, yeah. Sunday, that's the Sunday night game. Really good. Where's the game at? In uh, Houston, it's right? It's in Houston. Yeah. Yeah. Baltimore-San Francisco. Uh, even Kansas City and the Raiders is now interesting. There's some implications for the division race. Oh, in, absolutely. In the wild card in that one. Good weekend. Good slate of football games upcoming here today. Uh, well, starting tomorrow, I should say. Looking ahead here today on Twitter again at Wesley Euler at the body 52 Dubai. I also wanted to mention this mozi as you know tomorrow's Thanksgiving and then we kind of officially get into Christmas season mm -hmm. you've uh you've got a little uh, uh some exciting news yesterday yeah. for anybody who's still looking for a uh, gift for that Steeler fan in their life maybe a stocking stuffer Arthur right, Motes, man. the man sitting across from me who wears a lot of hats right <laughs> football player master's degree philanthropist, family oh, man. man, radio guy, TV guy. You're making me sound important over here, bro. Well, Arthur Motes, you've now got author on the list as well. Congratulations, buddy. Hey, tell, man. tell the people what you got going on. Yeah, I definitely appreciate that. So I had wrote a book. It's uh, called The Motes Theory of Life. And it was something I wanted to do in terms of creating a literature, a self-help style book, not an autobiography. I felt like all athletes, when they retire, they write autobiographies. I'm like, I don't want to do that. I wanted, I wanted to create something that would be impactful, something that people could read at any stage of their life and ultimately become better from it. Sure. So in the most theory of life in the book, I break it down with the chapters based off of my last name, M-O-A-T-S. So M, make happiness a priority. O, openness yields strength. A, actively seek to inspire others. T, turning fear into focus. And then S, I break it down to smile. So nice. spread my inner love everywhere because I feel like it's important that, that you spread that innate, that natural good that you have inside of you sure. you spread that around and also make the uh, the world a better place man so yeah it's just a great process man i had a blast writing it i hope i know people are gonna love it so yeah it's been good too man so you can find the book at uh moats theory.com okay yeah so just moats m-o-a-c-s theory.com i love it i love it and I'll, i mean i'll tell you i know you do a fantastic job of 
you know, just man, you radiate energy and positivity wherever you go. Man, I try, try I, to be, you know, try to bring a smile where I go. The people would always tell me that, like, you know, I was the happiest person, and, <laughs> and I'm always in a good mood. And then I met you, and I was like, wow, oh, stop it! I, man. I thought I never had a bad day in my life, <laughs> and then I and then I met this Moats guy. Uh, hey, we already told you, man. Every day is the weekend in our lives. That's all right? right. That's right. Uh, yeah, a, a big shout out to you and getting that done. And I know you'll continue to have an impact on on everybody that you come into contact with. Oh, I definitely appreciate that, Motestheory. man. Motestheory.com. Yes, indeed. Paperback and hardback. Yeah, but this is my thing. So we talked a little bit about this off air. Mm -hmm. We're millennials. We're millennials. We're paperback guys. We're paperback for sure. Don't but, give me that hardback. You know, yeah, I, I'm not a hardback. I'm a paperback <laughs> guy. But at the same time, I, I do know we have a large market in terms of non-millennials. Mm -hmm. I, I don't want to call them baby boomers. No, it's like Gen, Gen X. Yeah, Z? X. Because yeah, no, Gen Z's after us. Right, right. So right, they're so Gen, Gen Xers. X. And, yeah, they like the hardbacks. Like hard I know, like, my parents, my aunts, like, I want a hardback. I got to feel that. And I'm like, all right, well, we got options. It's got to look good on my bookshelf. Yeah, <laughs> and that's what it is. So we give them options. We got a, a holiday bundle package. You'll be able to get both the paperback and the hardback. So, yeah, man, it's, it's a great thing, man. And I definitely appreciate all the love and support. Uh, our buddy Raul, who I think – I'm going to go ahead and label him the official fact checker of the Electric Factory. Uh-oh, here we go, here he's we like go. Our, you know how Tony Reale is yeah. for, for, for Will Bond and Kornheiser yeah. on PTI? Like, Ra he's, like, he's like, hold on, hold on, your air is right here. <laughs> ding, ding, ding. Raul's our Kornheiser. Uh, he says Mayfield did throw an interception against Miami last week, so it was three straight games without a turnover gotcha. for the Browns, and then they did have one last week. So only, only one turnover in their last four Man. games would be the proper way to put it. And they hopefully. put up 41 last week, too. Hopefully uh, hopefully Baker will bring more of those. Hey, you know, it's, it's Thanksgiving season. You're right. Right? You're right. It's time to, uh, you know, to, to be thankful. Well, I'd be very thankful if uh, if Baker just brought a, a whole heap of turnovers to yes. Field on Sunday. Yes. How about that? Any type of turnover. Apple turnover. Yeah. You know, cherry turnover. Brown turnover. Hey, football turnovers. I love them. <laughs> <laughs> on Twitter, at Wes Euler at the body 52 The body. When we return some Steelers have been named Hall of Fame semifinalists. Ooh. I want to give those guys some props, and we will continue, obviously, as this is our last show of the week, to get in more uh, of this Steelers and Browns, X's and O's. Just getting started here on a jam-packed Wednesday. You're inside the Electric Factory listening to Euler Remotes. It's Steelers Blitz on SNR. This is the Steelers Blitz with Wesley Euler and Arthur Motes on your 24-7 home of the black and gold, SNR. Wednesday, inside the Electric Factory, jamming in a bunch of different uh, whole lot of, whole lot of and topics and brands talk today. One of the things that I wanted to... I like how you brought that, that, that Pittsburgh accent right there. You know, I like to... I like to get yeah. Yinzer on them sometimes. Yeah, okay, Speaking okay. of Pittsburgh accent, we'll have the Here We Go song today as well, too. Oh, we will? We will. That's the best song in town. Best, so best song in time. Best song in town. We'll get there. I'm but working on it. Before we get there, uh, I want to talk with you, Arthur Motes. What you want to talk about? You know, I, I, I love having you as my cohort here on SNR because, uh, you know, you've been there, done that. You know, I do a little something. You know, you got a lot of experience in the football world. Something like that. Um. I wanted to ask you about rivalries, right? And particularly, and listen, I might rehash some tough memories here, all right? So bear with me. You do that from time to time. But particularly what it's like to be on the negative side of a rivalry, if you will. Ooh. So. You could that's what we're doing today? You could correct me if I'm wrong, right? Tell me, that's what we're doing today? That's the negative not, side of a rivalry? Not today, just, just today? for the next couple minutes. Wow. 
I, I did some research because you know, right? I got notes on everything. Hey, the most prepared man s- in all the showbiz. Stats, I got numbers. I got opinions. Uh, my research last night led me to this finding that you were one and seven against the New England Patriots at your time in Buffalo. Is that correct? This is correct. One and eleven on my career versus the uh, the Pats, actually. One and seven in Buffalo, and that is a rivalry. Also correct. Oh, it was, yeah, the yeah. Bills and the Patriots. Yes, indeed. I, I want to talk from your experience, right? And and I think you'll see where I'm going here. I'm trying to relate this to the struggles that the Browns have had against the Steelers. Yes. What's it like in the locker room, in the organization, when you're more often than not on the short end of a rivalry, right? Does does that change things? We kind of started talking about this a little bit in the last segment, right, where how are the what's the Browns' game plan going to be when they come to Pittsburgh? How are they going to want to win when they come to Pittsburgh? They want to put on a show here against their hated rival, the Steelers. When you are – like I said, more often than not on the short end of a rivalry, can that cause some some crazy things to happen in locker rooms, in, amongst coaching staffs and organizations? How does that affect the team that constantly seems like they're trying to punch up at, at the team that gets the best of them? Yeah, man. The, the thing that I always noticed during my rough years – before As a Buffalo Bill versus the Patriots, yeah, it was a tough time, tough time. But the thing that we always realized was the game always seemed bigger. It always seemed bigger to us than it was to them. Okay. We always made it so much bigger of a week than they did. And that carried over here even in Pittsburgh where I can remember when it was Browns week, we're just like, okay, it's Browns week. Like, we don't think of them in that regard but for them it was always we always knew that beginning of the game their energy was going to be so high and we would have to try our best to match it even though we mentally didn't look at them in that same regard sure for example like versus us versus baltimore hey it was nothing need to be said we we viewed each other as equals juice on juice right when it was us versus the Bengals, it was the disrespect element so it was like okay we got to teach you a lesson but with the browns it was just like Man, it's Cleveland. They wanted to be bigger than what it is. We know we're going to beat y'all. We haven't lost y'all in how many years? So when you're on the other end of that, you know that your energy is going to be crazy high because it is your Super Bowl. You want to beat that team. We would always say, man, we could lose every game. As long as we beat the Patriots, it's a great day. It's a great season. Right. And no matter how – no matter if we were on the road or at home, it was always going to be we had to – we were coming out guns blazing, trying to prove a point. Sure. And that's special teams, offense, and defense. But the thing was, it gets in your head when it gets tight. Hmm. When it gets late in the game, you're like, gosh, we've been in this situation so many times. Like, <laughs> a lot of those games, before. in particular, a lot of those games versus the Patriots, it were a lot of one-score games. And similar to what you see versus the Steelers and, and the Browns, it hasn't always been two, three-score victories. It's been some close ones in there, overtime games in there. And things like that. So in the back of your mind, you're always thinking like, man, is this about to happen again where they're going to find a way to get up out of this situation? Are they about to find a way to to, to beat us? Like, what's going to happen now? Whereas when you're on the opposite end of that, when you're on the side of this, the big brother of the robbery, you're always like, man, no matter how we're tight good. it gets, we're good. We got this, guys. Relax. I don't care who's out there. I've been out there. As, oh, is Landry Jones at quarterback? Don't worry. We got this. Like, it's it's, it's like that. And I think that's the biggest thing when you're talking about the mindsets and how they differ in rivalry games like this where it's been dominated by one right. side for so long. So with that in mind and everything that transpired again 13 days ago when these two teams saw each other, it's not like they're, you know, it's not like that happened in week 3, Correct. right? And now we're in week 13 and there's been 2 months that have gone by. 
do you think some of that animosity could link with all those combustible elements, right, of what happened in the pregame, and we know the the egos, a lot of the egos that are on the Cleveland Browns, and the history of them being the not even the little brother. I mean, like being the you know, like the stepbrother <laughs> right. in this rivalry. Do you think that plays any role on Sunday, or do you think for both teams it will be just this is a game we have to win, leave all the other crap out of it? They're going to say that initially, and that's the right thing to say, but the human nature element is there. They they know that this game is bigger than that. They know that they emotionally are too invested into it, and they are a much, uh, uh, an emotional bunch. Mm-hmm. They when are. You, when you talk about Odell, when you talk about Baker, when you talk about Jarvis, they feed off of those type of moments, that type of energy. And I think that's why it's going to be unique. I guess it's going to be a sight to see in terms of how they keep that in check, especially early on, because that can be the difference between you getting out to a fast start and getting out to a horrible start. No doubt. If you can't control your emotions, if there, you're it, getting – It could be too emotional. Yeah, and, and, and too emotional leads to you forcing on offense – potential late hits on defense, taunting, things like that, that ultimately shoot yourself in the foot and stry, uh, and, and stall out your draws and your productivity, your drives and your productivity. I agree. I agree. It's certainly going to be something interesting to watch on Sunday. Oh, yeah. Uh, Joseph asks here on Twitter, at Wesley Euler at TheBody52. TheBody. Hey, Motsi, who are you rooting for, the Bills or Cowboys on Thursday? Oh, man. So those were both uh, – well, obviously, I played for the Bills four years. Cowboys were my hometown – well, not my hometown team, but my team growing right. up as a child. And, and as he points out, Cowboys beating the Bills could help the – could be beneficial to right. the Steelers. It, it, it could, in theory. It could. But for me, man, I don't believe in the Cowboys. We've talked about how they've struggled versus any team over 500. I think their offense is very pedestrian in terms of if Zeke is not having a great day, yeah, they they don't look the same. No matter what Amari Cooper does, they just don't look the same. I think that, you know, with the Bills, I actually was a part of that. Mm-hmm. I, I bled that blue and red for a little mm-hmm. while. Mm-hmm. So with that being the case, I'm Buffalo. I got I got to root for the Bills, man. Uh, Kevin asks who we'd rather have starting for the Steelers this weekend: De- Duck Devlin Hodges or Case Keenum? Oh man, what type of question is yeah, this? Come on, Case Keenum, come on, man. Case, Case, Case balling. We're talking about the guy who was in the NFC Championship game, right? Like a Case, year Case or two could ago. ball. Yeah, come on, yeah. come on. I mean, I got, I got no, no disrespect to Duck. No, I mean, yeah, I got no hey. animosity towards Duck. But nah, I mean, I, 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 like I said, he go ahead, he go ahead and ball out on Sunday. I'm gonna buy me a Duck call anyways. It's all good, man. <laughs> I wonder if that's going to be a presence at Heinz Field on Sunday. Oh yeah, somebody gonna have the Duck call there. Out I there. mean, it is Western Pennsylvania. It w- they probably wouldn't even have to go buy this. They probably no, already they, have. No, that's it. what I mean. Yeah. Like half of the people that are going to the game already have duck calls. They, they probably they're gonna show up in Steelers and camo, <laughs> Steelers jerseys and camouflage. <laughs> yep. Three Steelers have been named Hall of Fame semifinalists for the Pro Ho- Football Hall of Fame class of 2020. Safety Troy Polamalu. My guy, my Go- teammate. Guard Alan Fanica. Hey. And wide receiver Heinz Ward. Mr. Twinkle Toes. 25 modern era semifinalists for the Pro Football Hall of Fame class of 2025. Out of the 25 will be chosen. Palomalu in his first year of eligibility. I mean, he's got to be a slam dunk, right, Motsi? If your boy Dawkins is a first round. Or, uh, he was or, a second, second round. If, if Dawkins was a second ballot. And that is not my boy. And, and Troy is way better than Dawkins. Troy W. Yeah, that, you know that's a battle that I used to get in with yeah, people but Troy, in Philadelphia Troy has to all the time is that yeah. Ed Reed and Troy are in a different class than Dawkins. They are. And I'd say this, too. 
I think Sean Taylor would have been in that class with yes. with Troy and Ed. I think he, he was on that trajectory. Yeah. Um, Brian Dawkins, obviously a fantastic safety. He was a second ballot Hall of Famer. But, yeah, I, I really want to see – because you know that I've already been queuing up the jokes of Ed Reed first ballot, Troy Polamalu first yeah, ballot, absolutely. Brian Dawkins second ballot. Uh, the real question for me is could, could Troy and Fanica both get in? Because Fanica is now uh, sixth year of eligibility, I believe. Yeah. And, man, he deserves to be in. He's one of the best guards in NFL history. You could make a very easy argument that he should have been first ballot, not have to wait, let alone five or six years. I wonder, though, the dynamic of them, would they want to put two Steelers in in the same class? That's my only issue. Particularly, too, if if Bill Nevin's going to get in, or Bill Nunn's going to get in, pardon me, Bill Nevin. Bill Bill Nevin's a WVU football guy. (laughs) If Bill Nunn is going to get in as one of the centennial honorees, as he deserves for what he did for scouting in the National Football League, then you'd have three Steelers. I I, I don't know. I wonder how that's going to work. Well, and and my issue, too, is not only that, but you think about a guy like Donnie Schell. Yeah. That's I mean, true. I think he's falling he, into he's, that same category of, of the, yeah, yeah he's part of the... too many in right now. Mm-hmm. So it's like, okay, we couldn't have three or, excuse me, four Steelers be finalists at the same time. Right. Right. It, it's going to be interesting to see it. Because, I mean, let's be honest here. Let, that kind of polit- – I mean, it's not really political, but you get what I'm saying. Yeah. There is a political aspect to it. Oh, without a doubt. Of them wanting to – not have too many diversify the, yeah, the hall, right? Not having yes. one team, you know, take up all the spots. Yeah. yeah, diversify the hall. That's a good way to put it by you. Heinz uh, Ward, obviously, he's a semifinalist for the fourth straight year. I don't believe he's ever made it to the final because they do trim this list yes. down one more time. Yes, they will. Uh, in January, they trim it to fifteen yeah. before picking the five. Uh, man, Heinz Ward, I think it, his struggle is just now the perception of wide receivers has changed so oh, much. Oh, yeah, in so the their last... numbers are becoming gaudy. It's right, crazy. Right, it's like you got to have those insane numbers to get in almost. Uh, but Troy Palomalu, Alan Fanica, Heinz Ward, best of luck to those guys. We hope Troy's a first ballot guy. We hope Alan finally gets in for sure. And uh, I guess they could have the, you know, they could go the route of, hey, let's get Troy in, let's get Fanica in. Uh, let's get Donnie Shell in. <laughs> let's get Bill Nunn in. And, and then, you know, just Pittsburgh all travels to Canton for a weekend. And Boom. <laughs> and you know Steeler Nation. Boom. You know Steeler, you know Steeler Nation would show up. St- st- Steelers. I'll be there. It'll be interesting to see. I'll be interested to see uh, when all the finalists come out, right? Yes. For the centennial class and for the, the modern era. Yeah, because it's going to be 20 people total, right? It's going to be 20 people total. Yeah. Yep. So you'll have um, – you have five modern era players, right? And then you – well, let's see here. Let's see this group uh, – group. yeah, so 20 players in 2020 will be inducted. 20, 20 members, I should say. Yeah. Five modern day player, players, which come from the list that, that was announced. Ten senior players, which to qualify for that, you have to have been retired for more than 25 years, right? Three contributors. That's where I think Bill Nunn get, like, has to get in. Has to. And two coaches. So that's how they're breaking it down. Five modern era players, ten senior players, three contributors, and two coaches. That's going to be an interesting Hall of Fame class. It is certainly going to be an interesting Hall of Fame class. Again, finalists will be announced in January. Uh, we got some more tweets coming in here. We will get to those when we come back on Twitter at Wes Euler at the Body 52. The Body. When we come back here, Motsi, how about we do a little three questions, three guarantees, okay, and sing a song? 
I like to sing. We will do all that when we return. We'll ask our three questions. I'll give my three guarantees, and we will sing our Here We Go song. Here we go. Cleveland Browns edition. So stay with us. Having some fun here. The day before Thanksgiving, the day before Turkey Day, we're bringing some turkeys it's down the, here. It's the penultimate to the turkey day? It's the penultimate to the turkey day. It's the yeah. day before turkey day. Yeah, you're right. Oh, man. I can, I can smell the kitchen already. Mm. <laughs> Inside turkey. the electric factory, it's Steelers Blitz on SNR. This is the Steelers Blitz with Wesley Euler and Arthur Motes on your 24-7 home of the black and gold, SNR. Three questions and three guarantees. This is something we usually do on a Thursday. You know, three-question Thursday kind of rolls off the tongue nicely. Um, but we don't have a show tomorrow because it's Thanksgiving. Mm-hmm. Mark's, Turkey Day. Mark says here on Twitter, the anticipation for the Here We Go song is almost as high as my eagerness to gorge myself on all the Thanksgiving gastronomic <laughs> treats tomorrow. <laughs> we will have that Here We Go song for you here in about, oh, I don't know, eight minutes or so. But before we do, three questions, three guarantees this week on a Wednesday. Arthur Motes, are you ready? I am. All right, three question Thursday. Question number one, Motesy. I'm watching that Monday night football contest between the Rams and the Ravens on Monday night. I'm thinking, man, the Baltimore Ravens, they do a lot of pre-snap movement. They do. A lot of pre-snap motion. And it seems to work really well for them. And so I'm thinking, you know, I'd like to ask Arthur Motes, why don't more teams run pre-snap motion? Is it just that's what the Ravens personnel is built to do? Is it more so of a newer thing that's coming to the NFL and some teams are still, you know, doing the things that they've always been doing? Why don't more teams use pre-snap motion to their advantage like the Ravens do? You can do pre-snap motion, and some teams do do that, in fact, because it helps you identify man versus zone. It gives you some confusion from a defensive standpoint in terms of gap alignments and responsibilities, coverage elements and stuff like that because the change of strength in terms of three receivers to two receivers – two receivers to three receivers and vice versa. But I think the reason why you see the Ravens the Ravens do it more is their style of offense. Think about in college. You see motion every play, right? Because it's so play. much misdirection yeah. associated with their offense. Particularly and, in all the spread offenses right. that are run in college and that's nowadays. Pretty much what the Ravens are running. We've all said it's the spread offense at the NFL level with way better athletes. Also Arizona does it. They do a ton of motion trying to get the get the defenders to have to be a step late and just communication and things like that. So I think that's why you see the Ravens do it so much more versus other teams and why it's so much more effective because if you're in just a basic pro-style offense, you can do all the receiver motion you want, but at the end of the day, I know the quarterback isn't a threat. I know he's going to have to hand it off to one of these backs that are behind him where he's throwing it. When Lamar is back there, though, you have to account for him in the running game. And now that changes everything from a gap responsibility. So that's not natural for you. And then when you add the shifts and the motions, now it's making you even more so have to think like, okay, well, I was the quarterback guy. Now you got the quarterback. And all of that confusion is what it takes for those guys to be a second too late. And those athletes by the Ravens on offense, I mean, you see how they capitalize. Second is all they need. No question. 
Three question Thursday, question number two. Uh, sticking with actually something from the Rams-Ravens uh, contest, but something that happened more off the field. After the game, Motsi, there were some words exchanged. A little bit of conversation. Between uh, former Baltimore Raven Jason Peters and current – pardon whoa, whoa, me, like, former what? Los Angeles Rams <laughs> Okay, Jason there we go, Peters there we go. And current Hold LA on. Ram. Say it again. Not Jason Peters. Like, I'm dude, all over what? the place here. Marcus <laughs> Peters. All right, let's rewind here. Three question Thursday, question number all two. All right, let's do this. Marcus Peters. There we go. The former Ram against his own team. Yes. Now the current Ravens. Not Jason. <laughs> Jalen Ramsey. All right, there we go. The guy who the Rams went Picked out to, to get him. and gave away Peters or traded Peters yes. to bring in Ramsey. Uh, they had some exchanging of words in the post game and on the field and in the locker room. So a simple question for you, Arthur Motes. Who wins? Who who you got in a in a fight? Marcus Peters or Jalen Ramsey? Hey man, Marcus from the town. He, he from that that Oak Town. I, I'm rolling with that. Jalen, he doesn't seem the most tough in terms of physical altercations. Yeah, I could be a misjudged character, <laughs> but he doesn't spark me as that type of. He's a great athlete, great football player. But he doesn't t- spark me as the let's get physical, let's have an altercation. Where Marcus does. He he wants it all the time. Fans, He's coaches, fans. it does not matter. <laughs> I've seen him after a, a, a ASC Divisional Championship game in Arrowhead Stadium, and he's trying to fight A.B. and anybody who's in that area. I've seen it with my own eyes. He don't care. So with that being the case, I'm going to roll with him. I think I'm with you on that one. Three question Thursday, question number three. All right, Motsi, here we go. You know it's time for the outside of the box non-football question. Arthur Motes, tell me, tell the people listening at home, your perfect Thanksgiving plate. My perfect Thanksgiving plate would definitely start with nice baked honey ham. A little bit of turkey. A little bit. Not. I don't even want a leg. I don't want a breast. I don't want a wing. Just, just, just like a nice just slice. A s- couple slices with the skin on it, though. Mm-hmm. Some nice you gravy. Gravy, of course. Gotta have the gravy. Stuffing. Mashed potatoes with gravy. But then I also need sweet potatoes. Mm-hmm. In fact, I'm a sweet potato casserole type of guy. Mm-hmm. Give me some pecans on it. Marshmallows. Brown sugar. Get some of that on there. Mm-hmm. Definitely got to have the, the baked macaroni and cheese. You know oh, that. Oh, no doubt. And I need the green beans. Oh, man, that tastes so good, too. A roll on the side with all that? Two of them things. Come two on, rolls. Man. I need two of them things. I got a right hand and a left hand. I can't discriminate. What else was the lead one of them out? Nah. And then let me think what else I had on that. Because my plate usually is, like, about to, like, explode. Oh, I got to yeah. hold it with Mine's two like hands. Mine's, layered. Yeah, yeah. So I'm trying to think what else do I typically need. Don't y'all judge me. Some fried chicken as well. Ooh. Yeah. I like it. Yeah, we do a little so fried chicken So you're going ham, chicken, chicken and turkey. Yeah, yeah. It's That's Thanksgiving. That's like the holy trinity right Absolutely. there. Absolutely. <laughs> it's Thanksgiving. So you got to do it up. And then give me a sweet potato, a sliced sweet potato pie, mm-hmm. and a slice of pumpkin pie. Ooh, yeah. And I like to wash it down with a dad soda. I'm playing. Give me a nice, large Mountain Dew Code Red. You are something else. Boom. All right, I'm going turkey, uh-huh. mashed potatoes, okay. and stuffing that are Ooh. all covered with gravy. Got to have a couple of gravy. Covered Without with gravy. a doubt. Green bean casserole. I oh, love it. And then, like, two rolls. Okay? I can take That's where I'm starting right there. I like that. I'm drinking. I already bought two cases of it. It's my favorite holiday beer, and it's hard to find. That's why I buy, White Claw? I buy two cases. White Claw? You a White Claw guy? Shiner Holiday Cheer. 
Oh, it's a brewery in Texas. Okay. It is my favorite Christmas beer. Okay. And it's hard to get in the Northeast. Nice. So I bought two cases of it this week in okay. anticipation. So I'll have a Shiner Holiday cheer. Yeah. And then I want a slice of pumpkin pie and a slice of pecan pie. Ooh-wee. With a little whipped cream on both. Talk about Heat it. Heat it up in the microwave with a little whipped and cream And I need on my both. ice cream on the side. I worked, I worked out today just so I can kill my body tomorrow. That's right. Yep. All right, we got a, we, we're jam-packing everything in here. Uh, if you want to tweet us your perfect Thanksgiving plate, at Wesley Euler, at The Body 52. The Body. You ready for three guarantees here, Arthur Motes? Come on, man. I've been guaranteeing them all day. All right, first guarantee. Benny Snell going over 100 yards. Ooh. He got close last week. I think he's going to be healthier and more confident this week. He's going to be asked to be a bigger part of the offense this week. Benny Snell oh. one hundred. I need that to happen for the Steelers to win. But I don't think it will happen because this is going to be the best defense he's faced. Okay. That Chargers defense was not playing like how this Bengals, uh, this Browns defense is. The Bengals, Bengals, we talked about how they have the worst run defense. And people had hit us up and said, oh, you can't say that. That's because they're always trailing in games. And it's like, no, it's not because they're always trailing in games. If you watch the film, they, they don't play gap sound defense. They are fundamentally flawed in their schematics, and that's why they get gashed so much. That's why teams have success. It has zero to do with what the score is in these games. But the Browns, they tend to be a little bit better in that department. Now, granted, they have been gashed, and the teams that have had success on the ground are the teams that beat them. Mm-hmm. So that's why I say I need Benny to do that. I just don't know. I just don't know. Benny Snell 100. That's guarantee I need a Benny number Snell one. Guarantee number two. Two turnovers for the Steelers' defense. Two forced turnovers, uh, whether they be yes. interceptions yes. or fumbles or two turnovers for the Steeler defense. I do agree. I think that does happen. I think that they had opportunities last time when they played them, but they weren't capitalizing in terms of when they were pressuring Baker Mayfield. If they are getting home and finishing those plays, that's the sack force fumble. If you're hitting him early and often enough, that's the forced pass to get the interception. I see that happening. So, yes. I, I like it. agree with that guarantee. I like it. And last one here for you. All right. Baker Mayfield. I, I think it's safe to say right now, the villain for the Cleveland Browns in the eyes of Steeler Nation is Miles Garrett, right? Yes. I, I don't think I'm breaking it. Or, or is it D. Haslam with her, uh, you know, uh, that's true. Miles Garrett hat? I don't think I'm breaking any news there when I say that Miles Garrett is the villain for Pittsburgh Steelers fans right now. Correct. Baker Mayfield becomes the new villain. By four o'clock Ooh. on Sunday, I think there's going to be something now, where now see, the Browns is, score a, oh. the Browns score a touchdown, and Baker Mayfield does an over the top celebration, or he taunts oh, the crowd, no. or he runs around doing I, that stupid arm wave thing listen, that he's been doing listen. since his days in Oakland. That drives me nuts when he runs and swings his arms like that. I'm like, what are he's you gonna do doing? Some Baker Mayfield, jabroni, oh. some jabroni Baker Mayfield. I am stuff. so glad, Wes, that I'm not the, the only one. He's going to be the new villain by 4 I'm o'clock. I'm so glad I'm not the only one that feels that way when he runs Most, and swings I've been watching arms. him do that oh. since 2015 all over my mouth ears. irks me. Oh, it irks me so bad, man. I am so glad I'm not the only one. I, oh, it irks me so bad. I wish everyone could have seen me and yes. you standing up oh, here no, that was in, the, funny, in the complex doing the wavy arms. And, and as soon as you did it, it instantly got me up on my seat. Oh, <laughs> that's it's my the, final prediction. That rubs me the wrong is way. Is that Baker Mayfield becomes the new villain. By 4 o'clock. See, so this is on my Sunday. only issue. I do think that he will be the new villain, but I don't want it to happen because for him to be the villain means he has to have made some really 
big plays in some shape or form. But again, though, also knowing him, I mean, they could score one touchdown. And he's going to do and it. And if he throws it to Odell or Landry, he's going to make a big deal out of it. Yeah, you're right. He might jump into the crowd. Baker becomes the new villain. I don't villain. recommend it. Baker becomes the new villain. Those are my three guarantees and three questions. I like when you guarantee it. You ready to do some singing? Are you, are you warmed up? You, you I'm ready. La, 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 la. La, 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 All right, let's do it. Let's do it, broski. Five and one, our new tradition, the Here We Go song. We rewrite the words uh, about the Steelers' upcoming opponent. We normally do this on Fridays, but since we have no shows the next two days, we're going to sing for you on a Wednesday. Here is our Here We Go song. Here we go. Cleveland edition. That beat just hits. It's different, bro. Here we go. Stellars. Here we go. Pittsburgh's gone to the Super Bowl. Here we go. Gotta let that drop a little bit, right? Yeah. We had to do Steelers Nation oh, has the best radio oh. hosts. We listen to the Electric Factory with Euler and Boats. Here we go. All right, baby, we got that new West dropping today. We got that new Wesley Euler. You know that West man. You know the guy with the good hair. All right. Here we go. Here we go. Browse edition part two. Ha ha. Give it to the West. Holiday weekend. Lots of cheer. Lots of cheer, baby. The best day Thanksgiving is here. Oh, I love Turkey Day. But on Sunday, the real turkeys come to town. Everybody watch your head. Cause here come the brands. Here hey, we go. They swinging helmets, but they gonna be swinging these L's. Eat an L. You get an L. You get an L. Steelers. Hey, hey. Get to me, West. First two, baby. First two. Get them what they need. Here we go. Woo! Devlin Hodges back under center. It's the duck. Never lost. The duck is a winner. It's the duck, duck. Watch him throw. Watch him quack. Take care of business and let the defense attack. Here we go. Quack, quack, quack. Ducky, duck. Quack, quack, quack. The duck, duck, duck. Duck, don't lose. Woo! Quack, 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 R-E-S-P-E-C-T. Hey. And on Sunday, the Steelers getting that victory. 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 Roof, roof, roof. You not no big dog. You a little brownie. Roof, roof, roof. It's no dog foul, baby. It's the Steeler Nation. It's Hans Field, baby. It's Pittsburgh. And we duck called over here. You already know what it is, baby. You better be R E S P E C T on it. You like that? Hey, hey, hey. 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 There's our Here We Go song, Browns 2.0 edition. Yeah, you know, man. You know, that's a, that was a, 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 you know, I didn't anticipate the struggle of having to write a song about the same team two times in a row. But you're thankfully, right, I had plenty of material there. Well, you're lyrical, you know? I am. You're very lyrical. I, I am. think that's what makes you special. I'm like a young Bob Dylan. I got the, about the same singing voice as Bob Dylan, too. <laughs> On Twitter, at Wesley Euler, at the body 52 The body. When we come back here, it's time for Five Star Wednesday. Is it Five Star Wednesday? 
Five Star Wednesday. I think it is Wednesday. It is Wednesday. Sounds about right. Another thing that we normally do on Fridays, Arthur Motes' five biggest matchups that will determine the outcome of Steelers-Browns. What are they? Well, you got to come back with us to find out. Five-star matchups when we return. You are inside the Electric Factory listening to Euler and Motes. It's Steelers Blitz on SNR. Euler and Motes are on the air. This is the Steelers Blitz on your 24-7 home of the black and gold. SNR, Steelers Nation Radio. Afternoon, Steeler Nation. How we doing? I'm hungry. Well, that's good. <laughs> Euler Emotes with you here inside the Electric Factory, live from the UPMC Rooney Sports Complex on the south side of Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. A, uh, a jam-packed show today, Motsi. We've been rolling along. We've been fitting everything in. We've been taking our breaks a little too. I mean, you know, just like everybody in the working world, right? You're trying to fit a full week into three days. This it's week. like that sometimes, That's man. like the only thing I don't like about Thanksgiving week is the first the, the first three days of the week when you got to fit five days into three. But we're doing our best, you know? Hey, man, we try a little bit. Even though you still consistently don't care that I'm hungry or that I'm tired, it's just always good. It's good. Yep, it's good. It's good. You know, you never ask me how I'm doing if we really want to get into this. Because maybe I don't care. Ooh. <laughs> I don't have many feelings, but you heard every last one of them. You're not allowed to have feelings. Normally, something we do on a Friday is called Five Star Friday. You know the drill. Arthur Motes breaks down the five biggest matchups for the Steelers' opponent that weekend that will determine the outcome. Well, this week, it's the Brannies on the docket again. Is it Brannies? And yes, it's a Wednesday, but we couldn't let one of our favorite segments of the week uh, go by the wayside. So we're going to do it on a Wednesday, a little Five Star Wednesday. Here's Arthur Motes with your five biggest matchups that will determine the outcome of Steelers-Browns. It's a five-star matchup because we're in it. Five-star matchup! Anybody we play is a five-star matchup because we're in it! Five-star Friday on a Wednesday! Matchup number one. Alrighty, ladies and gentlemen. You wanted it, you have it. On Wednesday, five-star matchups, baby. So with the first one, it's important that y'all watch this and pay close attention if you're listening. Steelers pass rushers versus Baker Mayfield. Mm. Now, you're saying to yourself, what do you mean by these pass rushers of Baker Mayfield? What do you mean by this? Well, what I'm saying is this, man. We saw these pass rushers get after Baker last year, last week, right? Two weeks ago, Thursday Night Football. They pressured him, but what did they not do? Sack him. And what else did they not do? They did not contain that young man. And ultimately, he was able to extend plays and hurt us. So, this time around, Steelers pass rush. Do what you do. Kick butt up front. That's what you do. But contain and finish your rush. Because if you finish your rush, the turnovers will come after that. The fumbles, the strip sacks that you see this team produce over and over and over and over again. The interceptions that you see this team produce over and over and over and over again will happen. But you have to contain Baker. You have to finish your rushes on Baker because that's the element of the game. That was the X factor. That was the critical error that we saw this defense commit when they played two weeks ago. Five-star matchup number two. All right. The second five-star matchup. Mr. Benny Snell. I need you, Benny Snell. I need that Benny Snell football, baby. Browns, front seven. They struggle some against the run. 
in particular the games that they've lost. They have given it up. They've been gashed. So with that being said, Benny Snell, I need to establish the run, but I don't even want to just put it solely on you, Benny, because that would be irresponsible of me. Kareth, I need you as well. Jalen, I need you. I need all three of you guys to collectively go over 100 yards rushing because that is the magic number. When the Browns have struggled to keep their opponents under 100 yards rushing, they have struggled in terms of wins and losses. So it's going to be critical that Benny Snell and company establish that ground game. And ultimately, that would take some of that pressure off of Duck, too, because you don't want Duck having to go in there and feel like he has to throw the ball sure. 30, 40 times for them to be successful. Take the pressure off, get that ground game going, and make them like it. Make them like it. Five-star matchup number three. Now, you know it wouldn't be a five-star matchup if I didn't have a five-star matchup between Steven Nelson and Joe Hayden versus Odell Beckham Jr. and Jarvis Landry. Woo-wee! You're going to get your money's worth. That's talent on talent right it's there. It's good on good. It's not often you get these type of matchups, baby. Get your popcorn ready because I can tell you for a fact, Odell and Jarvis are coming in feeling good. And Joe and Steven Nelson are coming in feeling good as well. And Joe got a bad taste in his mouth because he left about three of those interceptions out there. And that's uncharacteristic of him. So, with that being the case, that's the match we want to watch. Because Joe, Steven, this team's going to go as you guys go. I understand Nick Chubb's coming in. He's a great running back. I got that. But they, I, I feel like he's not going to have that type of success versus this Steelers defense, this front seven. So, they're going to look to you guys. They're going to try to attack you guys. Respond. In a big way. Steven Nelson, Joe Hayden against OBJ and Jarvis Landry. Five-star matchup number four. All right, the fourth five-star matchup. Coach Tomlin, baby. Coach Tomlin versus the Steelers' emotions? Whoa, what are you asking? What do you mean by that? Well, let's break it down. A lot has transpired on and off the field over the past two weeks. Uh, that's that's putting it lightly. You obviously have the crazy performance and the bad performance by the Steelers on Thursday night. Then you have the the madness that transpired after that in terms of Miles Garrett, Mason Rudolph, Pouncey, and, and company. Then from there you go into the road versus the Bengals, and it's a rough atmosphere. It's a rough game, but you make the switch at quarterback at halftime. Then you get some life, some excitement. You get a win. And then from there, everything transpires from that is what? Now you make the announcement that Duck is going to be your quarterback for this game. And then from there, you still got the Browns who are talking. You got the Browns who coming back, you know, they're swinging pinatas and helmets at pinatas. You got the owner's wife wearing the day going hat with the Miles Garrett number up there. It's just a lot going on. So it's going to be an emotional day come Sunday. Everybody has family in town too. It's Thanksgiving. Holiday weekend. You have to understand cannot go out there and be overly emotional because the same way we talked about the Browns and if they react too emotionally, they start out you're, you're forcing the action on offense you're celebrating too much or you're having late hits and things like that you cannot shoot yourself in the foot so it's going to be important that Coach Tomlin has these Steelers emotions in check so that way they can be successful on Sunday Five star matchup number five Now the fifth and final It's Mr. Devlin Duck Hodges versus that Brown secondary. Now, this Brown secondary has been thriving in the, inter in the interception department. They've created a ton of turnovers. Now, granted, four of them came from us directly. Mm. But nonetheless, they've been catching the passes that they're supposed to catch. With that being the case, Duck, 
don't kill us. Duck. How can you not kill us? You have to protect the ball. Duck. I'm going to give you a little hint. This Cleveland Browns team likes to run cover two. They like to run cover two and Tampa two. You know how I know? Because Steve Wilkes was my defensive coordinator in Arizona just last year. Well, actually, he's my head coach, but he was a defense guy. Took control of the defense. They love cover two. They love Tampa two. Mason Rudolph struggled mightily versus cover two and Tampa two just a week ago. Please, please, please be prepared for cover two. Know where to go with the ball in cover two. Know when it's Tampa two. Know when Joe Sherbert is running the middle of the field to not throw the ball in the middle of the field. Please, pretty please, do not do that. I've seen it too much on tape. Don't do it, all right? Duck, I need you, baby. I need you. I want a quack. I want a duck call. Go out there, execute. Take the ball versus Brown secondary and get us a win on Sunday, please. And thank you. I love it. I love it. All right, Arthur Motes, for one more time as a recap, or for anybody who might have joined us late, the five five-star matchups that will determine the outcome of Steelers-Browns Sunday, 1 o'clock at Heinz Field. Yes, indeed. That first matchup is Steelers pass rushers versus Baker Mayfield. They need to contain him and finish their rushes. That's what they did not do the first go-around. The second five-star matchup, Benny Snell and company versus that Browns front seven. Establish the run. The Browns have struggled to be victorious when they've allowed over 100 yards on the ground. Make it happen. You can do it. The third five-star matchup. Steven Nelson and Joe Hayden versus OBJ and Jarvis Landry. We're talking good on good. We're talking creme de la creme. Put the show on, but ultimately minimize their impact because you know they feed off of those guys' energy. The fourth five-star matchup. Coach T versus the Steelers' emotions. A lot has transpired, and like you said, that's putting it nicely over the past two weeks on and off the field. So it's going to be important that coach has these guys mentally prepared and understanding how to control their emotions and use them in a positive way. In the fifth and final five-star matchup, Mr. Devlin Duck Hodges versus Browns secondary. Protect the ball. Don't go out there and throw that thing down the middle of the field versus Tampa 2 and Joe Sherbert catches another interception. Don't you do that. When it's covered two, understand that, hey, if you're going to throw it outside, hit, hit, the, hit the little hole. It's a little hole in the defense and cover two between where the squat corner is and where the overlapping safety is. It's a nice little window right there. If you're going to throw it, that's where you throw it, okay? Other than that, go out there and ball out, man. Be you. I'm ready to duck call, baby. Quack, quack, quack. And just live to fight another play, right? Yes, don't be eight. If nothing's it's okay, there. Throw it, throw it away. It's okay. Punt it, punt it away if you got to. Live to fight another play. Motsi, I love it. There it is, your five-star matchups on a Wednesday. A little different today. A little different. But we'll get back, I guess, in a normal routine when we return, right? Best of the West Wednesday. Yeah. When we come back, and we'll also go inside the play. Gotta go inside the play. With Arthur Motes. So the jam-packed, content-filled show continues. Uh, the lit one Rebecca said here on Twitter, at Wesley Euler, at the body 52 The body. Uh, shout out to Motes. I think Fisher Price will be calling him to do the animal sounds for future toys. <laughs> <laughs> Talking about our Here We Go hey. song. <laughs> if, if you missed it, we will sing that again before oh, about a man. half an hour or so before we get out of here. Best <laughs> of the West. Shout out to the lit win, man. Best of the West and Inside the Play. Coming up next, you are inside the electric factory listening to Euler and Motes. Oh, man, that's funny. <laughs> it's Steelers Blitz on SNR.
This is the Steelers Blitz with Wesley Euler and Arthur Motes on your 24-7 home of the black and gold, SNR. Euler Motes with you here on a Wednesday. Just a little housekeeping uh, in case you maybe missed it yesterday. We will be off the next two days. So we are attempting to uh, to jam-pack the show today with a bunch of regular Wednesday benchmarks, some Thursday and Friday benchmarks, uh, just a whole bunch going on today. But we're having some fun. Hope you are listening as well. If you want to chime in, of course, you already know the drill on Twitter, at Wesley Euler, at TheBody52. TheBody. Before we get to Inside the Play, time to do a Best of the West Wednesday here. You ready, Mr. Motes? Let's do it. All right, not much change at the top here. Uh, number one. I still got the Baltimore Ravens. Smart, man. Yeah. I mean, Smart, come on. The way they're playing right now. And you know what I think is funny, too? We've moved on to the stage of, and this is one of my favorites that we do with every team except for the New England Patriots, is, insert team here, peaking too early. Oh, Arthur Motes are the Baltimore Ravens right. peaking too early. I didn't know you could peak too early in a sport where you only play 16 games. I agree with you 100%. <laughs> I still got the Ravens at number one. Number two, you'll like this. Uh oh. I got the 49ers. All right, okay. And here's the good news. I almost had the 49ers at one after what I saw them do to my boy Aaron Rodgers. Yeah. Here, here comes the tweets from Rebecca. <laughs> I almost had them at number one after their performance this past week. But the good news here, Motsi, is uh, these two teams play on Sunday. Yes, and we're going to learn a lot. So we're going to learn a lot. Ravens, Niners, hey, it could be flip-flop next week. It could be similar. We could mm -hmm. see what happens. But right now, I'll put the Ravens at one. I'll put the Niners at two. Number three. Go is it. New England Patriots. Ooh. Yeah. Interesting. I know. I'm still – listen, I still think they've got their limitations on offense. But, man, what that defense does, it continues to impress. I, I think the AFC is going to go through Foxborough unless they slip mm. up. Uh, it, it's, we know what it's like going to Foxborough, trying to win there. Uh, yes, the Patriots haven't been lighting the world on fire, but that defense is still on a historic pace. Uh, they've still got Belichick and Tom Brady, and like I said, I think everyone's going to have to go through them once uh, once the important football rolls around. Yeah. I've got the Patriots at number three. Number four, got the New Orleans Saints. Okay, okay. I, I almost had them at five. I got the Seahawks at five, um, but I've got the Saints at four. I've got the Seahawks at five, and here's why. I feel like, and this is something you have alluded to a little bit, Motsi, the Seahawks offense, I don't know if exposed is the right word, but teams are figuring out that, man, if we can just slow Russell Wilson down a little bit, yep. it's going to be hard for those guys to score points. Yep. And so that, for that reason, I think the Saints have more ways to, to beat you on offense with Alvin Kamara, with Michael Thomas. Uh, so I've got the Saints at four. I've got the Seahawks. At five, number six, I've got the Packers. I got the Vikings at seven. I thought about putting the Vikings ahead of the Packers. They got the same record at eight and three in the, in the same division. They play in two weeks, I yes. think. Um, but I've got, I've got the Packers at six. I've got the Vikings at seven because while he was not good last week and he's been streaky this season, bless you, I'm still, you. Taking Aaron, <laughs> I'm still taking Aaron Rodgers over uh, Kirk Cousins eight days a week and twice on Sunday. Number eight, I got the Chiefs. I think we're not talking about the Chiefs, a team that I think is quietly, they're coming off their bye week. They got Mahomes back. Yes, the defense is still at times like Swiss cheese. But as we've laid out, I mean, a lot of these units in the National Football League have their weaknesses. I think 
we've forgotten about the Chiefs, really. When we talk about contenders in the National Football League, since week four or five, no one's mentioned the Chiefs. I think they'll start to climb back into that conversation. I think with the bye week, you'll see a rejuvenated Mahomes out there. I've got the Chiefs at number eight. Number nine, I've got the Houston Texans. Ooh. Yeah. I got those Texans. Houston Texans coming off a big win on Thursday night against the Colts. I wasn't expecting that from you, honestly. Yeah. And at number 10, I've got Arthur Motes' Buffalo Bills. The first team out, I would put the team that the Bills will be playing uh, about 25 hours from now, 26 hours yeah. from now. The Dallas Cowboys are my first team out. Arthur wow, Motes? Hold on. Just, wow. What say you, Arthur Motes? You processing wow. all this. I, I am, man. That's, that was a lot to drop on me right there, man. I'm not going to lie. All right. We'll hop into it. Honestly, I don't think we're too far off, though, man. Have Ravens at one. You have Ravens at one as well. It's hard to go against them. I feel like they are – that type of team right now where you are just expecting them to steamroll everybody. And if they keep up that pace, they're going to yeah make some noise. Unfortunately, I'm not going to like it a lot, but that's I'm not going like to like it a little. Yeah. Number two, you have the Niners. Mm -hmm. I'm going with the Saints. I okay. still, I'm, I'm a believer in Drew Brees, Michael Thomas. I still like that. Uh, I mean, I love the Niners defense. Don't get me wrong, but I don't believe in Garoppolo like that. And I think they are going to get exposed when they play Baltimore on Sunday. Um, at three, you have the Patriots. This is where I have the Niners. I okay. think that they are a more complete team than the Patriots. I would agree with that. And I think they are definitely playing inspired ball. They're finding ways to win. They've won pretty games, and they won ugly games. And I think that is the mark of a good team, a team that can win ugly games. That's what they're doing. Number four, you have the Saints. This is where I have the Patriots. You know, I know you had your, your boy TB12 up there. You wanted to put him at one. I was like, all right. But – I think, man, even with them, like you said, it's only a matter of time before that offense clicks. Yeah. We saw, uh, was it Nikhil Harry coming back? First game back, you see he has some drop issues and stuff like that, but you see he's still getting open. And then on top of that, I think uh, with Muhammad Sanu, once he gets back healthy and stuff like that, that helps their offense out. Defensively, they're still playing at a high level, creating those turnovers. That splash, they yeah. got arguably the best corner in the game is Stephon Gilmore. So with that being the case, man, I got the Patriots at four. Number five, we were identical, both at the Seahawks. Russell Wilson, he's the only reason. It's, again, yeah, I mean, it, they're a weird team to evaluate because the defense has its flaws, the offense has its limitations. Yes. But they also have Russell Wilson. They also have Bobby Wagner. Yes. <laughs> which can make up for a lot. And then we're just going to gloss over Jadavion Clowney. Right. It's crazy. Yeah, that's true. I mean, no one's talked about him. He, he was and, out and we last saw, week. But we saw the impact he had when they played the, uh, was it the Niners? Correct. On that Monday night. The overtime game. win. Yes, the overtime He work. was fantastic. Yes. Yeah. So that's why I have the Seahawks at five. You had the Packers at six. Let me guess. You got the Packers at 16 or something. Jeez. We're not even going to talk about them. Right you keep now. moving your Vikings up the board, don't you? Your boy, Kirk Cousins. Nah, bruh. At number six. The Bills, don't you? Absolutely. Oh, they man. have eight wins. They're eight and three. What are you talking about all oh, that? The Packers are eight and three. But there's a lot more impressive than the Packers. The Packers have been blown out. The Packers have been mollywhopped on multiple occasions. We haven't seen that from the Bills. Bills will look good. And the Bills are going to get a big win on Thanksgiving Day. So enjoy your turkey while you watch the Buffalo when they're all blue with their white face masks go to work. They're at six. Okay, okay. You got the Bills at six. At seven, you have the Vikings. I had the Vikings at seven. I got seven Vikings as well, man. Kirk Cousins, I'm believing in them. That's your boy. I'm believing in them. That is your I'm boy. I'm back on the hook. I'm back on. I can't help it. <laughs> that is your I'm boy. I'm committed now. I'm committed. Hook, line, and sinker. He got me. 
He got me. He, he's done it too many times now. I'm falling for he's it again. He's got you liking that. Yeah, I like it a lot. <laughs> so I have him at seven, the Vikings being. Now at eight, you have the Chiefs. I understand you trying to get the Chiefs back in this conversation. I understand that. But I don't believe it just yet. Their defense is still atrocious. And I feel like there's only so much Patty Mahomes could do right now. So at eight, I have your boy. You got the Packers? Yeah, I got the Packers there. Okay, that's not that bad. But not because of Aaron Rodgers, because of Mike Pettin. And that's just how I feel about it, all right? And Matt LeFleur. And LeFleur. LeFleur. So, yeah, that's why I have okay, eight. Okay, so you got the Packers at eight. Yep. Uh, so, you got Bills six, Vikings seven, Packers eight. Yes. Okay. At number nine, we were both for the same. We had the Texans. Nice. Deshaun Watson, I think what he's doing down there is top notch. You saw he struggled the week before versus, uh, versus the Ravens, but then he bounced back in a big way versus the Colts. I thought he did some good things, man, maneuvered in the pocket, creating some splash. Obviously, DeAndre Hopkins had a big game, and uh, William Fuller. Yeah. Both of those guys really – Stepped up in a big way. I think that was missing when they were playing the Ravens. It was not the same out there. I would agree. Yep. And then at 10, at 10, you disrespected my Buffalo Bills and put them there. Obviously, I had them higher. This is where I put them Cowboys at, though, baby. I think okay. the Cowboys, man, is, is – You got the Cowboys ahead of the Chiefs, huh? I do. I do because I think the Cowboys are a more complete team. Their defense is top-notch. Their offense is above average, whereas the Chiefs' offense is elite, but their defense is – It's true. Yeah, yeah, and the Cowboys pass the uh, the talent on paper test. They more, do. More they so definitely the do. Chiefs. Across the board. Yeah, that's why yeah. it's it's crazy to me that they're six and five. Like but, it really is. But the six and five is more of a direct correlation to Dak. I feel like you mean his struggles or his yes that his he's, struggles. Okay, yes his struggles. That's your boy. He's not my boy. I like him over Carson Wentz though. That's your boy. I like him over Wentz, as we all could agree. Uh, did you apparently? I saw this reported this morning that there's been an edict put down from Jerry Jones that uh, the coaching staff needs to win the division this year or find new jobs. Ooh. But my question is, if they go eight and eight and win the division, That's they terrible. go nine and seven and win the division. Well, when you when you play in a division with the Eagles, what do you expect? And the Giants and the Redskins. Yeah. <laughs> oh, sorry, the Washington team. Yeah. All the old bums. I mean, legitimately, eight and eight could win that division this yes. year. Especially if they beat the Eagles. Like, if they lose the Bills and fall to six and six, yes. right? And then they still, then they beat the Eagles, and they would have swept the Eagles, right? And they, they could, go eight and eight. They could easily do it at eight and eight. They could Absolutely. easily do it at eight and eight. Easily. How are you gonna? Oh man, I just. Bad. Yeah, the like I, I I was having this conversation uh, with my cousin Jared the other day, and and he's a high school football coach in Virginia and lives breathes. You and Jared would get along really well. He lives, breathes, eats, sleeps football. Hey, um, here we go. We had this conversation, and I said to him, on paper, the Cowboys are the best six and five team I've ever seen. Oh on no paper. question, they are loaded. When I watch them with my eyes on eye test, they are the worst i think the biggest disparity yes. in on paper and in their actual product like, yes without a doubt when you look at that roster you're like man these guys are pretty good like where's their good, good offensive line good running back capable quarterback you got yeah. playmakers on the outside okay you're checking all the boxes on on defense you got pass rushers you got a good Correct. secondary you've got two great linebackers yes great linebackers oh and, and sean lee's your, your, your yeah <laughs> that, that's how good your linebackers <laughs> right. are is that sean lee's your sixth man off the bench yeah, crazy <laughs> like I look at that roster and where's the flaw? But they're six and five, and they can't beat any yeah. teams with a winning record. <laughs> so you got them at ten, I got them at eleven. Okay, so other than the Bills, yeah. there, there's not that's that's kind of our main disparity. I mean, even the Packers were only two spots off on. Well, you always say it's not that big, but two spots is big. I feel like in a ten man, a ten team. Yeah, I mean, you, technically, it's a thirty-two team thing. We're right. We're just. Well, giving I'm just the, saying, like in our top, top 10, ten, if we're ranking our top ten, you trying I feel to like two trying spots to split is different. You trying to split hairs on me? Hey, it's in between the first team and the third team, right? It's true. Yeah, if we put the Ravens at three, I'm like, oh, it's not that far off, you know. You'd be like, no, you're crazy. 
You yeah, would. That's fair. Yeah. That's fair. Okay, fine. Even though I think we have the same top five teams, just in different order. We, I feel like we always do that. For the most part. Yeah. It, it, we always have, like, maybe I had the Bills in longer than you have. Right, yeah. right, right. Or and I've I, had the Vikings and in. And, like, in I, had, I had the Packers up a little bit higher. Yeah. Than, yes. yeah. <laughs> I think that's the biggest thing. But that's Synergy! How the, that's how the NFL is, though, right now. I feel it like really is, man. The ten teams are there in terms of the best ones week in and week out. And that order just shifts depending on the matchup. It has been pretty predominantly yeah. the same ten. Because let's be real, the Texans wouldn't have been down this far if they don't face up that Ravens team and get smashed by them. Right, right. I think that even if they would have lost to the Ravens by four yeah, points, we probably have them up closer to six or seven on yeah. our list. I think those are the type of things that help swing it. And then even though the Patriots are winning, they're not winning in a eyeball test type way. But we would feel like, oh, that looks good from an optic standpoint. So that's why you're keeping them at that three four range. I agree. Yeah, I concur. On Twitter at Wesley Euler at the Body Fifty Two. The Body. That was Best of the West, a Wednesday tradition here on the show. Another Wednesday tradition. Now it's time uh, where Arthur Motes does his breakdown of a specific play or two from the Steelers' previous game. So this will be the Bengals edition here. Yes, indeed. The Bengals. You got two plays for us. I do. You know, I'm a those, one, those. one offense, one defense. Always. I like it. You I could, like did it. Did you really think I was going to do a, a – Well, I thought, you could have gone double, I thought you could have gone double defense. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah I wanted to. Yeah. I, I didn't want to If you're that. going double-double, I mean, it's on the defense side. Only. This Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh, you know how that goes. So, without further ado, let's go inside the play with Arthur Motes. Alrighty, ladies and gentlemen, let's get into it. Let's talk about these plays. The first play that I got to talk about is the James Washington touchdown. Yes, that nice pass from Devlin quack, 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 Duck Hodges to James Washington. Now, when you're looking at the play, it was a three-level raw concept, right? You had a short, intermediate, and deep concept. James was the deep receiver. You obviously had Vance coming on the intermediate, and I believe that was Deontay coming on the short from uh, the Sounds weak side right. to the front side of the formation. Now, the planning is to cover through defense, so it's important that you have these different levels. So that way you can have the proper spacing between where the linebackers are, where the corner should be, and where the, uh, the safety in the middle of the field will be. And when you're doing this route combination, Vance does a good job of drawing the attention of those linebackers. He sits down right at about that 10 to 12 yard range, perfect. So that way, they're not deep enough to have the impact on that pass to James Washington. James does a good job of Understanding that, hey, that safety was cheating up a little bit. And B.W. Webb was on the outside coming in because that's what you do in cover three as the corner. You're high to low, but you're playing everything outside in. So he knows that he has leverage on him. So where he breaks it at was perfect. And then right there, my man Duck. My man Duck takes his little patience, understands that that's the route that I need to go to, throws it where he can catch it and run. And I thought that was key. And we all know how that play ended in terms of James finishing the play, man. The beautiful stiff yeah. ball. Just put my man on a highlight. Get man. off me. You know, he, he said, he say, man, I put the team on my back. That's what James Washington did. But another thing that I will say that helped on that play that ultimately make the James Washington sin be able to make that catch. William Jackson the third. What are you doing? William. William. It's cover three, William. What, what was that? I don't know what William was looking at. <laughs> I don't know where he was breaking on the ball. Not the ball. Listen, ladies and gentlemen, what, right, in cover three, you got a middle field safety. You got your two outside corners who all essentially, they divide up the field in three parameters. When you have a guy like James Washington who's going from the right side of the field to the left side of the field, 
He's going to another corner over there. Williams Jackson the third. If you are a competent quarter, corner, and your eyes are where they're supposed to be, it's a possibility you might even broke up. You might even have an interception. At least a PBU. Yeah, because the pass was right across the middle of the field. It was there. It wasn't. Uh, it, it was a nice pass. It wasn't just this rifle right. that you couldn't have got to. It hung in the air for a couple seconds. It did. But William. Like Minka Fitzpatrick's taking that thing the other way every yes. time. But with William, I don't know what he was looking at. I don't know where he was breaking. But he did not do it right. And then he like an unathletic person when he fell down after that. And then that led to B.W. Webb and his issues and him falling down. So, I don't know what they're coaching in that DB room over there. But keep that over there. Don't you bring that to Pittsburgh, baby. Because that was bad. Bad, bad. That's a, a poor display of how you run cover three. Poor display. But shout out to James Washington for the touchdown. Shout out to my man, Doug Hodges. Now, the second play. Oh, yeah. That we're going to talk about. That we're going to break down. It's Mr. Bud Dupree in that sack he had, baby. You know that game-winning sack. You know the closeout sack. Ah, a pass rush's dream, baby. In the game with the trifecta. You know the trifecta, the strip. Actually, the sack, the strip, and the recovery. That thing, he had one of those plays. So let's talk about it. First, the Bengals, what they try to do, they try to mess up his alignment. So they align Tyler Boyd, and they call it the C area. So he's not in, he's not attached to Cordy Glenn, who's the tackle. As a, as a tight end would be. He has a couple of yards in between. So it makes you as a defender say, all right, do I want to line outside of Tyler Boyd where I'm going to have a longer area I have to run through? I'm minimizing my repertoire. I got to solely go speed rush because of the distance. Or do I cheat down too far and I'm lined up on Cordy, but now I'm so close that as soon as the boss needs to get his hands on me. Bud says, okay, I'm going to go with option C. I'm going to line up right over Tyler Boyd, make him have to hit me. He's going to avoid me because he wants to get into the route. He does that. Perfect. I love the mentality right there. So then after that, Bud knows this, though. I can't give you straight speed off the line because of my alignment. I have a defender. I have a guy in front of me, in Tyler Boyd. So what he does is this. He gives you the changeup, the change of pace rush. All elite-level passers have multiple moves. And right here, Bud showed his repertoire. He came slow off the ball. And then it almost looked like a skip rush. We'd always say it's like basketball, skip to my loop. So he gives you the hot step. And now with the hesitation, is making that tap who wants the kick to get back fast right. have to slow down. Right. And now once he's slowing down, now you see Bud put that foot in the ground, burst off the line, or excuse me, burst off of him landing, and now he gets active hand side scissors, which are basically when the uh, office lineman puts their hands on you, you take your hands, and in a swiping motion, you move from down to outside. Like scissors. Outside, absolutely. Wax on, wax off, Mr. Miyagi. And after that, you chop those hands off, and he does a good job in terms of, from a technicality standpoint, skying the rip with his left hand and ultimately coming around using his offhand, which is the right hand, to strip at that ball from that young Ryan Finley. And not only does he strip it, he recovers it, celebrates with the good guys, ends the game, trifecta style, and that's what I love. And that's why you got featured on this week's Inside the Play. I love it. Inside the play with Arthur Motes, the deep dive into two specific plays from the previous Sunday. Great stuff as always there, partner. Hey, man, I, appreciate I, it. I love those breakdowns. It's a good, it's a good, um, you know, X's and O's workout for my for my mind. You know, I gotta have a little bit of fun, and I like the fact that when we're on radio, I get to actually depict it. I gotta paint this. You gotta paint the picture with my words. I can't say, look at the video right here. You see this right here? I can't say that. I gotta. You gotta paint, paint it, Picasso, with a brow brush too. Uh, Tanner asks on Twitter at West Steeler at the body 52, which would be worse for Steelers nation, the Patriots or the Ravens winning the Super Bowl. I think we talked about this last week. Uh, the Patriots for sure. Oh, man. 
the Ravens are the more historical and I still think more hated rival. You say Ravens? See, listen, Tom oh, Tom Brady, man. Tom Brady and Bill Belichick and Robert Kraft and everyone in New England are already insufferable oh, enough with man. six. Could you imagine if they were the only franchise with seven? Tom Brady's the only oh, player in football history with six man. rings. Could you imagine if he was the only with seven? When Tom Brady and Bill Belichick finally oh, retire, their man. retirement celebration is going to be the most annoying thing ever. It's all we're going to hear about for four oh, or five years. Man. If they get to seven, it would be even worse. Listen, man, we're talking the Ravens, the Ratbirds. Oh, man. I, I mean, it's a lose-lose situation for Steeler oh. Nation. But if that's the AFC Championship game, I would oh, I, I would man. like to see, the, I think, the Patriots do it. I, I, I Man, I cannot – those guys already with six are too much. It, with seven, oh. I, I couldn't even imagine. I couldn't even imagine. Just not have the game, man. How about that? That works. Just, yeah, because that's if that's yeah. the AFC Championship game, you know what? Just give the Super Bowl to the NFC Champion. Yeah, <laughs> I, I I can't say either. I cannot. No, it will not come out of my mouth to say what? What? Nope, can't do it. Got to get to our last break before the Thanksgiving holiday here, Motsi. But when we come back, it's time to show them the money. Gots to get the paper. Is that what you're talking about? That's what I'm talking about. We will also sing one more time for those of you that missed it in the first hour. Our Here We Go song, Cleveland Browns edition. We'll wrap up the show when we return. Inside the Electric Factory, you're listening to Euler Remotes. It's Steelers Blitz on SNR. This is the Steelers Blitz with Wesley Euler and Arthur Motes on your 24-7 home of the black and gold, SNR. Wrapping up the show for the week here is we've got the next two days off, so you already know we got to help you get the paper. Got to get the paper, man. But before we do, we're going to sing a song here, and I, I also wanted to get to this. Uh, our buddy Christopher tweets, over under on amount of duck calls at Heinz Field, he sets the number at 1,800 people with them. I, I did the quick mental math on this because, you know, I'm a mountaineer. I'm a genius. Yeah, yeah. A All right, let me hear A very hear. prestigious academic institution that I graduated that, that, from. That's like what they say, allegedly. 18,000 people out of 60,000 is 3%. Okay? Now, I know Heinz Field holds a little more than 60,000, but yeah. there will also be some Browns fans there, and I don't think those Browns fans are bringing duck calls with them. Strong possibility they won't have that. I think 18,000 people is probably about right. 3% of the crowd? I can see that. I think that's a good number. but I And they have time to prepare, too, because the announcement was made early in the week. Right. I'm going to go with slightly – if I have to pick, I'll go with slightly over. But I think about in that 1,800 to 2,000 range. Okay, and if right. there's three, four people in – three, four percent of people in the crowd that have those, you will be – that'll be audible over television. Oh, easily. <laughs> so, a good question there from Christopher. I'll go the over. But just slightly. All right, Motsi, before we get to our pick'em, let's one more time sing our song. Here we go, song. We're five and one now. Hey, shout out. Since we started singing the song. So without further ado, here is our Here We Go song, Cleveland Browns edition. Steelers Nation has the best radio host. We listen to the Electric. 
Trick Factory with Euler and Boats. Here we go. All right, Wes. You know what it's time for, baby. Oh, it's showtime. It's time, baby. It's showtime. Here we go. It's Part showtime. Browns edition. Are right, you ready? Give me that remix, baby. Let's go one time. Woo! Wesley Euler. Holiday weekend. Lots of cheer. Here we go. The best day Thanksgiving is here. I love me some turkey. But on Sunday, the real turkeys come to town. Uh. Everybody watch your head, because here come the brines. They do like to swing the helmets over there, man. You got to be careful with this group over there, man. They like to swing helmets in the pinatas in the parking lot. So if you tailgate, watch out. But don't worry about it, because it's time still. And we got the answer. We got what they need. West, give them that verse, too. That's what we need. Devlin Hodges back under center. You know the duck, man. He's never lost. The duck is a winner. He's a winner. Watch him throw. Watch him quack. Oh, yeah. Take care of business and let the defense attack. That's the duck, man. All right, got to finish strong duck here. Duck don't lose, baby. Duck don't lose and West don't lose, baby. Finish it up, baby. It's on you, Wesley. You learn. All this talk about how the rivalry's back. Oh, it's back, huh? But there's one thing the Browns still lack. What they lack it? Let me spell it. R-E-S-P-E-C-T. And on Sunday, the Stellar's getting that victory. Victory. I like it, baby. I like it, baby. You already know stuck calls all day. Are we working? Woo, woo, woo. Dog pound? Nah, bruh. This ain't no dog pound. That dog gonna come puppy. bite the dog. That duck gonna come bite the dog. Quack, 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 quack. There it is. There it is. Your Browns 2.0 edition of our Here We Go song with Arthur Motes and his new, you know, going to be solicited by Fisher Price <laughs> toys to uh, to make their animal sounds for their next holiday toys. <laughs> I like it, Motesy. Thanks like for the that, thanks for the help as always. I appreciate the hype as always. That's what I do. I know that's what you do. And what we do before we get out of here on our last show of the week is a little thing we like to call you. Show me the money. You know, got to get the paper. It's time to get that paper. Show me the money. Show me the money! All right, Arthur Motes, let's get right into it here. Two college games, two NFL games, and then the Pittsburgh Steelers game. That's how we roll, baby. You ready? Oh, yeah. All right, my first pick. This is like my lock of the week here. That's a dangerous thing to say. I get a little nervous when you say that. Give me the Texas A&M Aggies plus 17 and a half in Baton Rouge against LSU. Now, LSU wins this game. But if you look at Texas A&M, they plus are playing good football. They've lost four games all year, Arthur Motes. Texas oh, A&M has. Why is the spread so big? Exactly. Exactly. Now you're speaking my language. They've lost four games all year, Texas A&M has. You know who those four teams they lost to are? Georgia, uh -huh. Alabama, Clemson, yes. and Auburn. Come on now. And all of those games except for the Alabama game are one score game. Exactly. Give me A&M plus. LSU wins by 10, 13, something like that. But LSU's going to be looking ahead to the SEC championship game. Oh, yeah. A&M's going to be trying to show out and show up and not get blown out by a very good LSU team. Give me the Aggies plus 17 and a half. Yeah, man, I have to agree with you 100%. In fact, I agree with you so much, I'm probably going to hop on Fox Bet Sports app and go ahead and put some week? money up, man. I love that one because there's no way they yes, give me my 17 and a half. I got, not happening. I got another college football lock Wow, for you. that's crazy. 
Navy, the midshipman. Ooh. Minus eight against the Houston Cougars. Ooh. Against them Cougs down in Houston Ooh. and that Dana Holgerson down in yeah. Houston. Listen, Houston is, they've like close to tanking a season as you can yes. in college football. The Navy's good. Oh yeah, real good. And I get they've got Army on the horizon and I get that it's, it's a spread offense against a more traditional team. Navy's winning that game by two scores. Give me the midshipman minus eight. It's not often that I agree with you back-to-back -back times, but oh, come yeah. on, man. I don't trust Houston at all. I don't like their uniforms. I don't like Cougars, all right? But with that being said, I got to rock with them, Navy, the midshipman, baby. So, yes, I'm rolling with you on that one, baby. We called it a couple weeks ago. I'm calling it now. The Bengals, just like we said with the Dolphins, are going to get their first win against the same team, the New York Jets. Andy Dalton's back. Ooh. The Jets are feeling a little, a little too good about themselves from okay. that win last week. Okay. The Bengals plus three and a half. I think the Bengals win, but I'll take the three and a half points Bengals against the Jets. I don't see that happening, ladies and gentlemen, man. Give me the J-E-T-S, Jets, Jets, Jets. Sam Donald, El Bell, those guys are playing inspired over there. They got a little, little you know, success and productivity going on this past month, so I'm rocking with the Jets on that one, baby. The Bills in Dallas. The you already, Bills you already know my Cherry World. You already know know my pick. I'm taking the Bills plus seven. Absolutely. I think you won't like this. I think the Cowboys win the game. But they're not they, losing by seven. But they're, the, there's no way the Bills are losing, by, losing seven. by seven. No chance. Period. So we're both Bills plus yes, seven. Yes, indeed. All right, last one of the day. The Browns, two-point favorites. Browns favored in Pittsburgh for the first time in 30 years. Trying to win here for the first time since 2003, I think. Uh, Arthur Mudge, you going first? I'm going first. Now you go first. All right, the Steelers aren't often uh, home dogs. Home dogs, I said, I said, I said, home oh, dogs. Man. It's going to be close. It's going to be back and forth. It's oh, going to be up and down. Man. Final score, 21 to 20. I'm taking the Steelers by a point. Let's go. Give me the Steelers wow. plus two. 21-20, Steelers win. That is hilarious. You know why? Why? Is that the same Because thing you I got? predicted the exact same score, but reverse yesterday. Oh, yes. So you got the Browns 21-20. <laughs> I do. Wow, that is crazy. That's funny. I say I feel like it's going to come down to something like but that. Are you, so are you still taking the Steelers plus two points then? The Steelers yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Give me the Steelers okay. to cover, yes. Okay. But I think the Browns win. I like it. That's yeah. funny. We're that getting, we're getting too, I was like, yo, there's no way you just said that number. We're wow. getting too simpatico up in here. That'll do it for That's today's crazy. show. That is. That's, That's funny. crazy. Exact same score. That'll do it for today's show. Big thanks to our buddy Jacob for uh, for producing back at HQ. Big thanks to the Electric Factory. Happy Thanksgiving. Enjoy your holidays. Yes. Uh, we're thankful for you. And I've, I've, yes, got, I've got one piece of homework for the, for the, for the, for the megawatts for the power grid. Yes, all right? indeed. Let's hear it. If you really love us, if you really Ooh. love us, of the electric factory you and you learn like most, you say you do. do us a favor, steal all your relatives' phones Ooh, yes. over the holiday, Absolutely. go on their podcast app on their oh, phone, yeah, yeah, subscribe yeah. to Steelers Blitz, and uh -huh. leave us a five-star review. And that's with a Z. Your grandma's phone, uh -huh. your auntie's phone, uh -huh. your nephew and niece's phones, uh -huh. take them all at Thanksgiving dinner, subscribe to Steelers Blitz, give us a five-star review, Yes, indeed. and we will be forever thankful. Always. <laughs> That'll do it for today's show. We'll be back on Monday. With our, with our bellies full and hopefully with a victory against the Browns. Heavier. I like it. So we'll talk to you then. Same time, same place as always. High noon on your 24-7 home of the black and gold. Steelers Nation Radio.